Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So my friends and I go camping a lot, and my favorite place is in Red River Gorge, Kentucky. We go there often, and I've been there ever since I was an infant. I'm 28 now, married with a kid, and still go, and it's the closest place to where I live where you can see the Milky Way pretty much every night. It's perfect for stargazing, and I've seen a shooting star every clear night that I've been there, which is wonderful. And when we go without our kids, we'll do a bit of a night hike to get a good lookout point and stargaze for hours. So, our first experience is night hiking. We would go to trails that we knew well and we used frequently during the day. But ones with log fences and gazebo resting places and whatnot. The most used trail is a trail in the Natural Bridge State Park that leads up to the Natural Bridge. But this trail is around two miles uphill, depending on your starting point. I've done this trail every summer of my life and could do it blindfolded. It has wooden steps, carved rock steps, logged handrails, multiple sitting points under a roof, trash cans, but after reaching the main trailhead, it has no lights whatsoever. It's used often, and while it's uphill, the difficulty is pretty low. As long as you have good grip on your shoes and some water, you'll be fine. My friends have done it with me multiple times and are confident in it as well. Hiking this trail at night is actually not allowed, but it's the woods and I've never really been one to care about closing times for the literal outside. When we used this main trail to hike up to the top, we would park in a lot designated for the pool and hoedown island. You walk across the road that leads to the pool and you're at the first trail marker pretty much. You go up gravel for a while and pass the Natural Bridge State Park Lodge. There's a waterfall there and some lights too, so it was best to go fast and just watch out for rangers that would tell us to leave. 
Then you walk across another road and there's a mini shelter to sit in or a small rock wall to rest your legs. And at that point, you're at the beginning of the trail to the top. So, the night was weird to begin with. As soon as we started the hike, the clouds took over and it appeared like we'd be hiking for pretty much nothing to even stargaze at. But we went anyways just in case it cleared up by the time that we got there. And in the beginning, it was just normal paranoia that was keeping us stressed and quiet it seemed. Now, you know you've reached the bottom of the bridge when you get to a giant wall of limestone. And during this time, there was a gazebo that set to the right of this wall and the trail continued to follow next to the wall. Where you came from is a fairly steep part of the trail and the gazebo was welcomed. My husband, my best friend at the time, and I all sit at the gazebo steps. The bench is under a roof and even darker than the rest of the outside, so we just stayed on the steps, facing to where we were looking down to the trail that follows the limestone wall. We each have a bright LED headlamp and a handheld flashlight too. We don't usually look at each other when we night hike because, well, the lights are so bright. We sit in a line like the Lord's Supper and walk in a line all staggered so we don't blind ourselves. It's after hours at this point. No ski lift rides had gone out for hours and the rangers had already done their sweep and left right before we got out of the car and headed up. We left no time between them making sure the trail and the top were clear and us starting a hike up. The ski lift takes you up to the top but there are workers that stay and do counts and only leave after it's clear. And I guess I just have to make these points too because that's what I was thinking when what seemed like out of nowhere, a girl with a headlamp begins to walk down the trail that we were looking out at. She's in a sundress too and flip-flops. Now, this hike is uphill and while it's fairly easy to hike, like I said before, it is definitely not easy with no water or real shoes. And the fact that she was hiking down meant that she would have had to have hiked up and down to this point with definitely no food or water. Her light was bright and when she reached where the trail turns in front of the gazebo to down where we came from, and she just stopped there, straight on like how a human is presented in an anatomical drawing or something. She was looking directly at us all sitting there and her light made me bring my head up to shield my eyes. She didn't turn away from our lights at all, or even seemed bothered that she had six LED lights aimed directly at her face. And I said, uh, hello? She said, kind of with a pause between every word, something like, hello, how are you? I said something like, good, how are you? And she took even longer pauses and said, oh, I'm fine. She then just stood there, still with her hands to her side and facing and staring at us. Her light made it impossible to really see her face and it was so bright that I had my hand up the entire time until she just turned and walked slowly down the trail, the part that we had just come up. She got to a part where the trail turned and we saw her light just stop in that one spot for a minute until she turned and the light just faded out of sight. We waited a while before continuing up. I kept making comments about how weird that was and everyone else made it out to be me always being afraid. But no one ever came after her and she had done this hike alone at night and somehow without being found by any ranger. It was weird but we got up after a bit and started back up to the top. It felt like it took much longer than it ever had in the past but we eventually made it. 
There's stone steps named Fat Man Squeeze that get you to the top of the bridge and you can walk across it and whatever. But going up and being on the top, we could hear twigs snapping, almost alternating too from the left and then to the right. We lay down and try to stargaze, but the clouds are even thicker now. It was miserably hot too, and we could hear voices at the time, and my husband kept checking for people that we heard, but we never could see anyone. We also saw a flashlight, but never saw anyone attached to it, and then we heard a bird call or something, but it wasn't like a real bird noise at all. It kind of sounded like a person making bird calls. Like rhythmic and not really natural. I was convinced at this point too that we definitely weren't alone and hadn't been alone but also I'm the most easily spooked. I asked to leave as soon as they were ready to and they were ready right then and there too. And I must admit that that scared me. I mean they weren't the type to be afraid like me and the fact that they were was pretty creepy. We began going down the way that we came though and it felt like it was taking so long. We were going steady and quick and it was downhill but it just felt like we were not making any ground whatsoever. It's hard to explain but it was so weird that at one point I even said out loud, Hey guys, are you sure we're going in the right direction? This feels much longer. And they agreed with me. I kept looking behind me with the flashlight too and my husband kept looking out to the sides and my friend kept hers mostly forward. I just kept feeling watched and I couldn't figure out what footsteps were ours or if they were all ours that I heard. I would turn in the direction of any noise but I wouldn't see anything. And when my husband was walking he kept saying that he was catching eyes in his flashlight. Usually you can catch raccoon eyes spying on you or some animal like that but he was afraid that it was maybe a bear or a big dog or something. And he never got his lights on whatever eyes that they were long enough to see an animal size or shape, so he wasn't quite sure. So next, we're hiking down this semi-flattish area, compared to the downhill hike that we've been doing at least. The log fence or the handrail, or whatever it's called, is on our right side. We're in a row, walking within reaching distance of this barrier, and my husband just suddenly stops walking altogether and says what's that but the question is more like an alert and I move my headlamp in that direction and I don't see anything at first but then both of his lights catch a shape and then my headlamp catches it too and I move my headlamp to center it and I catch it while my friend simultaneously finds it in her headlights as well all six lights shine onto and kind of reflect off of a light gray creature it is bent in a crouching position, kneeling on its right leg and just starts turning towards us. And it slowly starts to stand and my mind is racing still. It looks human, but it's way too big. People mistake human shapes for what's actually bears in the woods often, but this thing was super skinny. It's thin and big and almost white, so it's kind of like light gray and its skin resembles dolphin skin or something. There's a shine to it as well and our lights get reflected a little when they're on it. It gradually comes to a full standing position in front of us. Its head is really long and its eyes are in a human position on the face in front and not in the side like an animal's but I could not see any other facial features. Just big, almost empty holes or pits that where its eyes should have been. It looked directly at us and our lights 
and the way it stood was really intimidating. Almost like when a snake raises up and flexes their neck all crazy to show prey that they're stronger and smarter. It was honestly like it was stepping up to fight or something. It went from crouching and then turning and then to standing right in front of us, but the arms were hung down low and the hand seemed way too long. If I had to guess too, it must have been at least nine feet tall or so and not that far in front of us too. It didn't have any hair at all and its head was really large as well. I honestly couldn't process what I saw and in the end, I just froze. And then, all I remember is my husband hitting me on the back and yelling, run. I start to understand that we have to get away from this thing and it pivots and runs to the right. We're going backwards on the trail so it could get around the barrier and onto the trail behind us. But we take off running the rest of the way down the trail, knowing that this thing took off much faster than any of us could and after it had crossed from behind the barrier, it would be gaining on us pretty quickly. We didn't talk at all the entire time that we were running because when we tried, it almost felt like we would get caught. We just keep running where we can, but in some areas, it was just too steep to do that, so we had to slow down at some point. It never felt like we were out of sight from this creature too, as we made it to the trail beginning with the gravel and we could hear something to the side crashing down through the forest. We just ran until we got to the car and then we drove as fast as we could to get out of there and as soon as we got to the main road, almost magically, the air just cleared up and the stars were out. The drive back was pretty quiet but I did some reflecting and when that thing looked at us I just knew for some reason that it was smarter and faster than us and I knew that if we hadn't have seen it that it could have easily taken one of us out and just got away. I think the only reason it hesitated was because there were so many of us at once and we stayed together. When we made it back to where we were staying, all of us took our phones out and wrote a note for what we saw happen. We hadn't spoken about it until after we looked at each other's phones and the stories were the same. We did this because we actually found it hard to believe what we saw, but without a doubt, we definitely all saw something very real. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I work at a spa here in my hometown and I had recently left work one night two months ago. When I had left that morning, I realized I was low on gas, but because I was in a hurry to get to work on time, I figured that I'd just get some after my shift instead. So I'm driving on my way to get gas, and I remembered that a gas station was recently built near my neighborhood. Literally, right next to the turn into my neighborhood entrance, in fact. I was happy because it was on my traveling route home, and that meant not having to spend extra time driving. I've never been to this gas station before, 
Like I said, it's a new gas station and I usually swing by somewhere else that's kind of close to my work because of how cheap the gas is compared to the other gas stations. However, it's difficult to get to because you have to cross traffic and wait forever at this one light. So that's why when I remembered there was a gas station near my neighborhood now, I was pretty happy and I went there instead. When I pulled into the place, I was looking towards the gas pumps, trying to decide which one I was going to pull up to. While driving by the entrance to the gas station, I could see out of my peripheral a man who was walking out of the gas station. He looked up at my car and, because I don't have any tint on my windows, I'm pretty sure that he saw me. But whatever, no big deal, I thought. I pulled up to a pump and I could hear this man who was now walking towards the pump and towards a car that was parked on the exit opposite side of the gas pump that I decided to park and use. And he was yelling out and looking in the direction of the car on the other side of me. So I just ignored it and was getting my purse and keys together, getting ready to get out and walk into the gas station to pay. And for whatever reason, I looked over and saw that the car was packed full of guys. Not little punk teenage kids too, but like men in their late 20s and maybe early 30s. One in every seat too, it looked like. I'm not going to lie too, because it definitely freaked me out a bit. Because at the same time I looked over there, they were looking at me through the windows of the car. I have pepper spray on my keychain, so I dug around in my purse for it and held it in my hand as I got out of the car to walk inside. The pumps thankfully aren't really far away, however, they are off to the side, so unless you're standing at the door of the gas station, it's kind of hard to see over there from inside the place. I got out of my car though and began to walk, when not even a few steps in, I heard them start their car up and I was relieved because I figured that they were leaving and all would be well. But that didn't seem to be the deal because instead of leaving, they turned their car around and got directly behind me. Literally, their car was right on my heels. I mean, if they had pressed the gas pedal even an inch, they would have definitely run over me and flattened me like a pancake. I instantly went on red alert mode and realized that I was almost to the entrance and I was definitely within eyesight now if anyone was inside. But by the looks of the parking lot, there wasn't. My nerves got the best of me though and even though I had pepper spray, I ended up doing the weird little awkward jog and fast walk inside the store, desperate to put some space between us. But when I got inside, I instantly went into the girls' bathroom, hoping that maybe I could wait them out or that maybe they wouldn't even bother to come inside and would just leave me instead. I must have stayed in there for maybe three to five minutes or so and when I decided to finally leave the bathroom and pay for my gas, I realized that there was people inside the gas station now. With a quick glance, none of the faces looked like the ones that I saw in the car, so I walked up to the register to take my place in line, just wanting to finally be able to go home. After a few minutes, I'm almost to the register. I'm second in line to be exact, and I'm looking around at all the items on the counter, and in doing so, I notice a guy standing behind the line off to the side against the wall. He just happened to put his head down like he was looking at the floor at the same moment, and I noticed him, so I couldn't see his face to know for sure if it was one of the guys from the car, but it was suspicious for sure. I looked back at the register though and realized that it's my turn to check out. I walk up and pay for my gas and in the process of putting my debit card back in my wallet, I see that guy who was against the wall begin to walk to the door, but he's doing it really dramatic. Almost like he's trying to time it out just right so he can be next to me while I'm walking out the door. 
At the thought of this and realizing I was holding up the line by not moving, I did some quick thinking and began to walk towards the door and like I thought if this guy hurries up and starts walking faster and I can recognize him as being the exact guy who had walked out of the gas station when I was pulling in, I could do something. So I instantly stopped walking and just stepped to the side out of the way of the entrance to the door, hoping that I was pulling a quick one on him. I started making a scene of putting my wallet into my purse and rummaging around in it, acting like I was trying to find something, just trying to kill enough time to where he'd be forced to walk ahead of me instead of behind me. This guy, however, was a quick thinker too, I guess, because when he did walk past me and got to the doors of the entrance, he stopped and held them open and stared directly at me and smiled. And this smile gave me the chills instantly. Trying to think of what to do, I look at him and for some stupid reason smile back and he smiles even wider at this. I instantly hate myself for being that dumb girl who can't just flick guys off or curse at them or something whenever they think they're dealing with a creep. So I'm staring at him realizing that I have to make a move at some point and I look past him and realize the car full of guys is now parked right at the front of the store. Lights on, car running with one of the backseat doors wide open. By now, I'm freaking out internally, obviously, and even though this feels like hours, it's actually all going down in a matter of minutes. I look behind me, towards the register, hoping someone would be paying and leaving. And thankfully, that exact thing happened right then. A man started walking towards the door and when he walked by me, I walked with him and I made sure to get on the side that was opposite of the man standing at the door, holding them open. The second that I got outside, I made a quick right because I saw that there were more cars parked on that side and ran between them towards my car. I hurried and unlocked my door and got inside and locked the doors and waited. I just had a feeling that it wasn't going to be that easy. And I was right. The car of the guys had reversed and was heading towards my gas pump. I'm still the only one there actually getting gas, I remind you. So I instantly hit the lock for the car doors again just to make sure they're good and locked. The car slows down as it's driving past me and gets a little in front of me and just stops. I am frozen with fear at this point. I think about calling someone, but I don't really care for dealing with the police due to my history with them, and I knew my friends couldn't do anything to help me but panic with me, which probably wouldn't have helped. So I decided that I was just going to sit inside my car and try to wait them out. And let me tell you that I would have died in that car from a lack of oxygen before I got out and left. I didn't want to leave because I had already prepaid for my gas, and I didn't want them following me either. Finally, after about 10 to 15 minutes, they eventually drove off. Windows rolled down, calling me all kinds of provocative names. I sat in my car for another 10 minutes just to be safe before getting out and hurrying to pump my gas. When I got home, I called a friend who lives in my neighborhood also. I told them what happened and that if they go to that gas station at night, to be very careful. She replied back saying how she's heard from other people in the neighborhood that, for whatever reason, a lot of sketchy people seem to hang around there at night. Sometimes, even when the gas station is closed for the night, you can drive by there and see a group of guys just hanging out around the gas pumps for whatever sketchy reason. I did go back to that gas station a few days later one morning to speak to the owner. 
I explained the situation and gave the best description I could of the man that I saw inside the store and the make of the car and the colour and all that. I haven't been back though to see if it's happened to anyone else or if they caught them or whatnot, and I honestly probably never will. In fact, I'll gladly spend an extra five minutes driving to the other gas station before I even think about going back there, especially if it's at night. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I'll start this by saying that I was raised by some pretty religious people. A lot of my family would talk about ghosts and demons and such as if they definitely existed. But as I got older, old enough to reason, I realized that they were nuts. I mean, sure, there have been several experiences in life where something strange may have happened, but I almost always would find reasonable explanations for them. I'm about 30 now, and I've been a lifelong skeptic of anything paranormal all this time, pretty much. And well, recently my family and I moved into a new home. It's actually a fairly new home, and we've been here for about three months now. But after the first few weeks, I noticed I would get a sort of uneasy feeling around the stairs and hallway. It's to the point where I just don't look down the hall at night and I've never been afraid of the dark before or what may be in the past, but not since a child at least. One day though, I was walking down the hallway and I swear to you that I heard someone whisper my name as if they were right behind my head. It freaked me out, of course, but I just wrote it off as my mind playing tricks on me. I mean, there's been several times that I'll hear my daughter's toy start playing music or the dishes would make noises downstairs, but again, I always wrote these things off and never told my wife about it. After a month or so of being here, my wife texted me when I was at work and says, I swear that this house is haunted. I'm upstairs and I hear the dishes clinking downstairs. So I decided to tell her that I've sort of had that feeling too, but never said anything because I figured it was just me. My daughter is three years old and she still sleeps in our bed. A couple of weeks go by and out of nowhere she sits up at around 3.30am and calmly says that she's afraid of the dark. But when I tell her that there's no need to be afraid of the dark and that her mum and dad are right next to her, she points towards the hall same one I try not to look down at night and says, but where did the little girl go? Her mum told her and assured her that she was just having a dream, and then says, what the F do to me before going to sleep herself. While all of these things make me feel a certain way, I still wouldn't consider any of it real. My mind can rationalise anything that I just mentioned. 
Until this next thing happened, a couple of weeks ago, that is. So this next story is definitely not a trick of the mind or imagination. It's not something that I think may have happened, but it's something that just 100% happened. It happened right in front of my wife and I both. So we were upstairs getting ready for bed. Wife is in bed and daughter is already asleep and I'm in our master bathroom getting ready to sleep myself. As I walk to the bed, I realize I left the bathroom light on. It just shines into our bedroom as there's no door separating the bathroom and the bedroom. So I turned around and turned off the switch before hopping into bed. As soon as I lay down, I set my alarm, probably stare at my phone for a minute or two and then close my eyes. As soon as I close my eyes, I hear a click and then my wife say, and that bathroom light just turned itself back on. I open my eyes, completely dumbfounded. I mean, I had just turned that light off no more than five minutes ago, and it definitely just turned itself on again. Now, this is not an incident where I may have turned off the light in a room, left the room and then found the light was still on in the previous room or something. This is a light switch being flipped on in the very room that I was in, right in front of me and my wife. Me being the person that I am though, I thought maybe the switch was just halfway between on and off and I tried really hard to replicate that scenario but I just don't see how I could do that. But the switch is either on or off and there's no in between. And it's this very event in addition to all the other strange noises and feelings that have me at least considering the idea of the paranormal being real now. But don't get me wrong, I'm still not ready to look anyone in the eyes and say ghosts are real, but in my 30 years of living, that's one of the only truly unexplainable events that happened right in front of me, and for the first time ever, it happened with a witness right next to me. Pretty crazy stuff if you ask me. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So when I was seven years old, I went to a small school in our little oil field town in Alberta. And there was this guy named Daniel there too, and I don't know if that's his real name, but when I think of him, my mind defaults to that for some reason, so we'll just go with that. And well, Daniel had slept with my mum ages before I was even conceived, and somehow had in his brain that I was his child, a full-blown delusional. So, Daniel decided the smart and rational thing to do was to stalk me, like hardcore. He apparently plotted out a map to my school, he knew my name, he knew how old I was, and he knew what I looked like. And to be honest, I have no idea how he even got this information. My mum never really used Facebook, and he lived in a completely different province. I had never met this man before, but Daniel decided that one day, he wanted to take it a step further. He had been ranting to his wife about me and kept telling her that I was his kid and that he was going to drive from British Columbia all the way to Alberta to come and kidnap me and bring me back to BC with him. He was convinced that I was conceived earlier than I was and I was his kid and my mum made some conspiracy to hide the fact that I was his kid. 
He had a whole plan for how to kidnap me down to the date that he was even going to do it. His wife decided to call my mum in the end and warned her, and my mum decided to put safety measures up, like making sure I was in groups and I had to be home by four, etc. I was only told about all of this when I was about 14, and I still don't know all the details. Obviously, he never went through with his plan, but I'm sure glad Daniel's wife spoke to my mum when she did, because if she hadn't, it could have been a very different story for me. Summer of 03, we had been living in our new home in New Jersey and my cousins from Belgium had come to visit. It was about 10pm and we'd been in my room watching a Disney Channel movie and eating snacks. The younger girls, my sister and my younger cousin, had fallen asleep so my older cousin MJ, female, and I decided to go to the den where the boys were, my little bro L and two cousins N and J. So my bedroom was pretty big and I had a huge closet with sliding mirror doors on the side where the door to my bedroom was located and in between the closet and the door was a bookshelf. Facing the door was my queen size bunk bed that was laying with the sides facing the windows looking out towards the front of the house and the lake. There was a desk and a computer against the wall between the bed and the mirror closets. The television was on the wall opposite to the desk and there was a library nook that could be seen from the bed that bent off from the wall where the TV was. But when you opened the door to the room, you could see the bed in its entirety, the television and the desk too and the side of the bookcase, but not the mirror. Also, there was a huge light in the middle of the room in the ceiling and a lamp next to the bed, and one on the desk too. So, my cousin MJ and I were cleaning up all the food and the mess and bringing them downstairs. She told me to go back up and check if anything was left in the room, and I went up to check and I didn't see anything. I picked up the pillows on the floor and put them in the library nook in my room and I started walking towards the door when I noticed a light beam in the mirror coming from what I thought was a car outside. I kept walking towards the door and closed it. Right next to my room were the steps to downstairs on the right hand side. I make it only two steps and I hear my little sister that's five scream a blood curdling scream. She keeps screaming and screaming and yelling for my mum. My mum runs to the bottom of the steps and looks up at me and asks me what's wrong and what did I do to my sister. I say that I didn't do anything. She just started screaming and my mum asks me why I didn't check. I couldn't explain to my mum that as soon as my sister started screaming my whole body felt like I'd just been zapped. I was holding onto the railing and I swear that I felt like I had been electrocuted or something. My mum pushes past me and opens the door. I go back up two steps and I can see into the room, my mum walking up to my sister on the bed. Next to her is my younger cousin and she's still dead asleep. And the room is lit up and my sister is just pointing and screaming. My mum turns to the mirror and her face instantly goes pale. She tells my sister not to look and it's nothing. I'm confused at the whole thing from my view in the hallway, looking through the open doorway. I walk to step into the room and... My hair stood on end. My sister is still screaming bloody murder. My mum is embracing her and they're huddled together. My cousin is still dead asleep. Something inside of me is telling me, you are stupid, you can't see it, you can't see what's wrong. There's this kind of cognitive dissonance happening in my brain. When all of a sudden, I notice it. The lamp next to the bed is off and the lamp on the desk is off. The lamp overhead is off and when mum opened the door the room was completely lit up. 
I had never turned on the light, and yet my whole room was just lit. And then, I notice it, coming slowly from the side like it's sliding through. It's very bright, but not blinding. I turn to look at it, but stop, as it's halfway through my peripheral and into my line of sight. Because there is a giant orb of light hovering in my room, coming from the mirror. It's about the same size as a single person sofa, and I then notice that it's not the fact that it's an orb of light that is frightening. The light had a face, a humanoid face, and the only way I can describe it is that it looks like one of those mannequin heads that girls put wigs on. The head, made of light, starts turning for me, and I feel like it's about to speak or say something. Meanwhile, I have this completely irrational fear that my mum is going to blame all of this on me. I had no idea what it was, though, but I just felt like I was going to get the blame for it. So, I turn, and I just book it out of the room. This all happens in less than five seconds, mind you, and my older cousin MJ is on the steps already, seeing what the fuss is about. She asks me what's wrong. I can't answer, and she opens the door and says, what the F? And then, the light just disappears. I see this all from halfway down the steps looking upwards but my mum tells my cousin to go and get the other kids and they carry the girls downstairs but my cousin who was asleep wakes up halfway down the steps asking why she's being carried out but my sister is still screaming and crying and all three boys come from the den and we go to the living room but while my mum is processing everything the boys ask us what happened I just stand there silent, hearing my heart beat in my chest, and I'm completely frozen. My mum tells them what she saw, and the boys bolt upstairs to my mum's protest. I stand there, and my mum says that those aliens you saw were real, weren't they? I'm really confused at this, and I ask her what she's talking about. I mean, I've never seen an alien in my whole life. She then says, when your cousin visited about four years ago, don't you remember? And it comes back like a flash for me, the UFO. Apparently I told her that it wasn't aliens, it was just a UFO, and I thought that I dreamt it or something. She said to me, no you didn't. I went and I got my diary from my room while the boys were still in there looking for the light man. I brought it downstairs and sure enough, I had written about it. My mum called the boys down and asked my brother to tell her about the UFO. He too looked confused and then you could see him remember and he said that his account, it matched with what I wrote in my diary. She called my uncle the next day and asked to speak to my cousin from that time and he also had forgotten and thought it was a dream and then retold his memory and it matched perfectly what I had wrote down. I really don't think the face of light or the light man or whatever it was and the UFO are necessarily related. I do think I bring strange things around for some weird reason, as does my little bro and some of my cousins. I can promise you though that this is a real story and it happened. But my little brother is now an accountant and highly religious and actually hates talking about all of this stuff, but we call each other every now and then when we have weird dreams. But my little sister basically just went crazy and has had four commitments and is a hot mess. I've traveled the world and I have a good job and I've graduated with two degrees and with honors, but strange things have not stopped happening for many of us. But I guess they just aren't as frequent as they were when we were little. When you 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I was 16, some friends and I went to an outdoor concert festival thing and we parked at a mall and took a shuttle to the venue. For perspective, the mall is a 20 minute drive from our homes and the venue is another 20 minutes away in a different direction. During the concerts, I end up losing my friends in the crowds. I didn't care much as I wanted to get to the front anyway and I could just call them when the concert ended. And well, of course, I lose my phone somewhere in the sea of people and don't even notice until the last show wraps up. I search the ground as the people dissipate with no luck. Reluctantly, I just hop on the bus heading back to the mall, hoping to meet them at the car. The car is gone and I start to freak out a little bit. It's 10pm when I head to the bus station to see when the next bus to my city is coming. And just my luck, it happens to be Memorial Day, so no buses until 10am. I borrow a stranger's phone and call the two numbers that I know, my mom and my brother. My mom doesn't answer, but my brother does. He basically gives me the sucks to be you talk and hangs up. So I'm alone, scared, and a little drunk in a city that's I don't know. I try walking, but quickly give up when I realize I'm basically walking down a random highway toward who knows where. Back at the station, I'm just staring at the map when a stranger kind of creeps up behind me. He asks where I'm heading and I tell him the truth. And he, conveniently, is going to the same city and asks if I could split a cab with him. Realizing that this is my only option as I didn't have enough money on my own, we get into the car together. And it turns out that he has less than I do. We barely have enough to get to the heart of the city, which is a 10 minute drive from my house, but at least I know my way home from there, right? But during the drive, this guy just gets progressively more creepy. He's aware that I'm 16 and he's 25. He scoots closer every minute, touching me, insisting that I come with him back to his place and even writes his number on my bare leg. As we get there, I realize the situation that I'm in. We're about to get out into a quiet area at 2am and the cabbie is going to drive off, leaving no one to hear me scream. And the second he gets out, I turn to the driver and beg him to please take me a few streets further so I could at least put some distance from him and me. The cab driver hadn't said a word the whole way but he definitely heard everything. He asks me for my address and drives me all the way home and the creeper watches as the cab just drives off, me still inside. When we get to my home, I offered to wake my mum up to pay him, but he happily declined, saying that he's just glad I'm safe. I broke in through the kitchen window, got to bed, and I just cried my tears of relief for who knows how long. I'm currently on vacation in Mexico with my family. The house where we're staying at is right on the beach, and it's very tranquil and scenic. My parents are in the main house with a kitchen and a living room while my sister and I are in a second building with a bed and a bathroom. There's a small house before ours where the groundskeeper and her roughly 14 to 16 year old son lives. 
So my sister and I went to sleep around midnight. I was dead asleep, but at 4am I woke up because I felt like I felt something on my leg. Tired and confused, I opened my eyes and kneeling next to me on the ground, staring at me, was the groundkeeper's son. Right after noticing him, I started making some weird noises because the shock was pretty overwhelming. I had just woken up from a deep sleep and for some reason, I just started slapping him on the back of the neck. He stood up and started speaking Spanish very rapidly and I hardly know any Spanish so I just pointed towards the door, loudly saying get out and no comprende and stuff like that repeatedly. He eventually walked out after about a minute of yelling. My parents had heard my voice and when they walked out of the house, they saw him standing outside of our door and his mother heard the commotion as well and my sister got up to explain what happened, being the only one who speaks Spanish fairly well. Then his mother apologized and they went back to their house together. I eventually asked my sister what he was saying when he was standing by our bed next to me but she said that because he was speaking so quickly and she was just waking up that she didn't quite understand him but this happened last night which was only our second night here. He could have been watching us the night before as well and that thought it kind of terrifies me I must admit. I'm pretty sure that I locked the door but I know his mother has a key so he still could have gotten in pretty easily. My sister and I are going to put glass bottles in the front door tonight to alert us if anyone tries to get in. If anybody has any suggestions of what we can do as well, they would be greatly appreciated at this point. I still have five more nights here and I know that I'm probably going to see him at least once more. So this didn't happen to me, but to my dad. My dad is a very practical man and doesn't readily believe in the paranormal, but has had a few experiences that he definitely couldn't explain. And this was one of them. So in the 1980s, he worked as a deputy sheriff in a small, fairly rural southern town. He was on night shift and spent many hours just riding around empty back roads in the countryside, looking for drunk drivers, deer poachers, teens up to no good, etc., there was one area right out front of a little old diner that had a really bad intersection where a number of people had been killed in car accidents over the years. Aside from the diner, this was a very isolated area out in the boonies without much traffic. But a main highway did run through it so you would occasionally see some cars. My dad was passing through this intersection one night around 2 or 3 in the morning on a routine patrol when suddenly... He said that a dark shadowy figure just sort of appeared in the backseat of his patrol car while he was stopped at an intersection. The way his patrol worked, the backseat doors could not be opened from the outside or the inside, except with a special key. He said the figure's shape was hard to make out and it was really dark, but he got the impression that it was a man. And the creepy thing was that he could hear it breathing too, but it never spoke. He was pretty unnerved, obviously, and tried speaking to whatever it was, but it would never reply. Since he didn't exactly believe in ghosts, he didn't pull over, but continued to drive back to a more populated, well-lit area. He wasn't quite sure how to respond to this incident, and he just chalked it up to him just being tired as a way to rationalize it. But he says that he definitely wasn't tired enough to just imagine things like that. 
but for about eight miles he drove too back into town with this shadowy mash just sitting in the back seat, silent except for the sounds of it breathing as a normal human would. As soon as he got to the first bridge over a river that led back into town, he said that whatever was in the back seat just vanished as quickly and silently as it appeared right before he began to cross over the bridge. He had never once spoke and he thoroughly checked his car once he got back to his department. There was absolutely nothing in his back seat that could have been mistaken for a figure like that too, nor any evidence that someone had been back there recently. And he said that that was the one incident in his life that he could never explain and that actually scared him too. But personally, I would have found a way out of that car ASAP, but he was in an isolated area with nowhere to really go. The intersection still exists, but the little diner at it has been boarded up for well over a decade now. It was never a very active place anyway, and the few times I've driven through there at night, I always think about my dad's experience, but I haven't experienced anything there myself, which I'm actually pretty grateful for, I must admit. I definitely don't linger on that stretch of highway, though. It's extremely dark with no houses or businesses around for miles, and spooky enough, even without knowing about my dad's encounter many years ago. So I went to Paris on my gap year back in 2017. I was there for about four days and it was April, around the time of the attack where three policemen were shot in fact. I happened to witness this from inside of a store when it happened and had to walk back to my hostel after and I was about 19 at the time. But on my second day there I think I had some tickets to the Louvre. I set off in the morning extremely excited and not at all daunted by anything. It was my first time traveling alone, out of the country in general. I'm British, but I loved it. I had Google Maps out, walking the whole way there was about 45 minutes, but I didn't mind. About 15 minutes in though, I'm walking and a guy notices me, calls out a whistle and smiles at me. And okay, I would be annoyed, but I'm in Paris. Who cares, right? So I carry on walking and... A few minutes later, he appears next to me, smiling and saying hi. He's about early to mid-twenties, very tanned skin, not sure of the nationality. I say hi back, surprised, thinking he must have been following me, which was strange. We begin to talk, and I'm telling he's traveling, and I've got tickets today. He asks me a lot of questions. I can't remember exactly what about, but we have a general conversation in my very, very poor French. I eventually ask him why he's following me though and doesn't he have somewhere to be? And this just doesn't faze him. He smiles and carries on talking, says that he doesn't have anywhere to be. Okay, so he starts saying that I should go to dinner with him tonight. I say great, and in my head I know that that's not going to happen, so I decided to start playing around with the conversation. I ask, do you smoke? And he looks surprised and says yes, do you? Keep in mind too that his English is really poor, which I thought was odd because why would you attempt to talk to someone in English and find out about them if you know that you can't talk that well? But oh well, right? So I look up weed and Google French and say, do you smoke weed? He looks slightly confused but laughs and says, oh yeah, you come with me and we can smoke later. I laugh too thinking, right mate. I don't smoke at all and I just did this because it was funny to throw him off a bit. 
but I also noticed that he doesn't really know his way around, which was odd. I wasn't bothered to ask his life story though, so I never found out where he did come from. But anyway, I told him that I have tickets already and I'm going straight in. I don't know why you're following me, but he doesn't mind me saying this and continues. Says that he'll wait for me. We can go for dinner later. You can come back to my apartment and meet my friends. We can smoke. But we eventually get there and my heart is beating a little faster at this point, I must admit. I mean, I'm alone in a different country and what do I do? Well, the entrance to this thing has a huge open space full of people which was slightly comforting. I finally see that you can get your tickets at the kiosk. This is the first time that I straight up walk away, ignore him and go there. There's an older guy who speaks English there too, for tourists obviously, and I say hello, I'd like to get a ticket, blah blah blah. He could have been English for all I know, but my mind was just going way too fast at a pace to notice. The guy is now stood at a distance though, watching me, and I look the man straight in the eye as he asks me a question and says, there's a man following me. His expression changes and we keep eye contact the entire time. He says where, and I say to the far right. He glances and looks back at me. He asks a few questions, and I say, well, I'm going there straight away, so what's he doing? He tells me to go straight in, don't talk to him, and just walk away, and I agree. And the guy suddenly comes right up to me and says, what's going on? Or something to that effect anyway. We don't break eye contact, and the man says, are you going to be okay? And it was at this point that I changed my tone and say, yes, thank you very much. The guy continues to follow me, but at this point, I'm over it and I just leave him behind. Going down an escalator, I see him watching me and I look around. The weird and kind of sad thing though is that I tried to tell all the security that they had, which was a lot, mind you, down to the entrance that there's a man following me and what do I do? A French lady behind the desk who stamps my ticket says, Ticket please, make your way downstairs. And that was pretty much it. So with no one listening to me, I go to a security desk in the event itself and say the same. This lady talks to me, asks my information, then proceeds to tell me that he was probably trying to rob me. In broad daylight though, following me for over 30 minutes? It doesn't seem likely, but... There's definitely a cold feeling running all over my body at this point. I'm safe and sound inside this place because they had numerous soldiers with guns walking around the place and outside too, so to an extent I wasn't in serious danger, but once again, being alone and young and my hostel far away, if I'd told him where I was staying, which he continuously asked for but I didn't tell him, something else could have happened entirely and I'm so glad that I got to enjoy the rest of the trip, save for the shooting, without much hassle. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. 
But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.